The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. again it's his show it's brandon hi again this week this is the brandon peter show today features a discussion on the 2011 film sound of my voice to do so with me returning to the show is writer host of devil's kettle drama club and also creator of one day we'll see it bystanders jamie alvey Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Hey, and also want to mention uh, Daisy and the gang back there. If you're watching on YouTube, you <laughs> may get to see some free entertainment behind. If you're listening and you hear a weird sound, her house isn't haunted. It's dogs. That's, this, that's what you This is hear. an old house, though. I, okay. I purpose, I bought like a 1948 house. <laughs> it's cute, though. It's really cute. It's like. Gotcha. But I was like, people are always like, is it haunted? Well, we could be interv- inadvertently shooting host two or something <laughs> on here. But I, no one would want to watch uh, this old fogey, like, oh, the old guy with the beard. He changed that. Does he die at the beginning? If he dies at the beginning, then we'll, we'll go with that. But how have you been? Um, you were back, you were on back in what, uh, March, April? Yeah, it's something? been. It's been a while. I'm, you know, going into the school year and stuff. I've been doing a lot of work, intensive work. They are getting the newspaper back up and working with the journalism there. And uh, we've just been getting everything back together. I'm teaching a creative writing class and I I love it. I love teaching writing. Um, So that and... I finally finished by Sanders completely. Oh wow! We're on the ver- this is the last draft. It's completely done. I'll have to send. I need to send that to you because okay. made so many changes, and I'm just I'm excited. I have awesome. stuff, a lot of stuff in the in the works, and that's why I'm exhausted. Constantly. Everybody is. We all are. The, I I, re- I recently saw retweeted into my feed the article of. Um, from the Onion from many years ago, that was find your true passion in life and work on it, uh, or and spend your nights and we uh, weeknights and weekends on it for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's me. I was, like, I was like, does this is this like telling me I should probably cut it out, stop, or whatever? But who would I be? Exactly. I don't. Th- I don't think life would be as rich. I think it gives us something to look forward to and something to live for outside of our day jobs because, you know, that in itself, just the idea of, because I'm one of those people, I've always had tons of irons in the fire and that's how I like it. <laughs> it helps defend bad habits like my Blu-ray collecting. Um, I know like uh, my, my mother-in-law always was like, hmm, about it. And then when I started writing Blu-ray reviews, 
she suddenly was like, oh, I get it. Okay. So I'm like, well, I can't stop now. If I'm not doing that, then I can't have them. I don't. Who knows? But yeah, um, those fun passions we have in life, which yeah, bystanders, that's a script I stand by and hope gets some hot kind of production to it. I'm to fruition. I'm oh my gosh, we've I have a notebook and I've written down like ideas for production stuff that I, I kind of want to do with it, like score stuff and mm-hmm. lighting and we've made a we've made a, a like my friends and I who read it, we've made a little dream list of actors that we could see playing gray, especially because um they're like, You're gonna play Claire, right? Since you do all the thing, you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> You're gonna Clint Eastwood this, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I was like, with a lot more blood, obviously. <laughs> I'll show you how to cry, macho. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll show you. It's like a lot shorter and a lot more blood. It's like a lot more blood. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> um, and then last time you were on, we had the the great Monica mystery of who's at the door. And I was like, I'm going to check out those videos and figure it out. And I'm full of shit because I did not do that. I was like, oh, my God. I just realized it before we record. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should have, like, made good on that. And I, I did not. So I still don't know who's knocking at that door. I was actually thinking about that the other week. But, yeah, so uh, we're here. Um, let's just let's dig into this next uh, film of mine that I have selected. If you're just coming in this week, if you're like, oh, Jamie Alvey's on. I'm listening to that. I don't like the other fogey, but I like Jamie to talk. What I'm doing this <laughs> for this week of uh, the Brandon Peters show is the past year. My guests have they've they've gone over that. They picked the movies. I've said something that inspired you at some point in life, or is just like an odd favorite, something unique to you to talk about. And now I'm turning it over to me, letting my ego drive the show, picking some of my odd or unique favorites. Uh, to do so, I have selected the movie today, and the movie is Sound of My Voice from 2011. Somewhere in the valley, there is a woman living in a basement. She's actually amassing followers, these people who believe that she'll lead them to salvation or whatever. And yes, she's dangerous, but we have to see this thing through all the way. We began by preparing on the outside. Well, this transmitter records everything from the camera. We go out of range outside of 50 feet. Peter, that's too big to swallow. People need to see video of Maggie. No way. Couldn't tell the exact location of the house. We were in the van for approximately 20 minutes. The first night is always the most difficult. To see her is to believe her. Of course, that's how these cons work. You see, the anchor is the sign of a traveler, and the number 54 refers to where I come from, 2054. Your future. Well, what if she is? From the future? Uh, no one is from the future. It's a really dark time. Every life is a death. We'll be all right, though. Maggie's taking us to a safe place. Why do you have a gun? It is very important that we trust each other. We're family now. I just feel like we're in over our heads. Yeah, that's investigative journalism. If you'll come with me, please, Peter. Maggie will see you. I need you to bring her to me. I don't understand. I think we should go to the police. We don't know who these people are, what they're capable of. 
Very soon this group is going to begin its journey. She's dangerous. I'm willing to go all the way. How far are you going to go? This is about Maggie. I see the way that you look at her. Are like you really Maggie. jealous of that fraud? Why not? It's not my choice. It's yours. survivors beyond your wildest imagination it's directed by zal batman glitch i uh watched the extras and i heard his name and i was like that's not how i would have said it but he has the word it's like it looks like batman glitch or uh, but mon glitch but it's batman glitch so Batman Glitch. Uh, it's written by Britt Marling and Batman Glitch uh, himself and stars Britt Marling, Christopher Denham, Nicole Vicious, Richard Wharton, uh, Davinia uh, McFadden, and hey, Constance Wu is yeah. in this movie. <laughs> I forgot that. Uh, it's about two documentary filmmakers. They attempt to penetrate a cult who worships a woman who claims to be from the future. Uh, the film premiered at Sundance in 2011 and was released limited in theaters. I got to see it in theaters because it played here in 2012. And uh, originally attended as a web series. It was broken into numbered parts and they just decided, let's release it as a film. Then they were like, oh, we're going to make a trilogy. But now they're like, no, uh, it's supposed to be a magging or cult. But... I saw this movie in 2012. I believe it, it was at least in my top three of 2012, if not my favorite film of 2012. I have to go look at that year. Um, 2012 was a like around like 2011, 2012, 2013. There was a lot of mm-hmm. really good, like lower budget filmmaking going yeah. on. 2012 was when I started writing for Mendelssohn's Memos. And I didn't do a top list there, so it would have been a social media post mm-hmm. of when I did it. And I'm not gonna go digging nine years ago to see what 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 order did I put them in. <laughs> I don't know. So um, it may be in my. I did a series on my blog back in the day called "Favorite Films of My Lifetime." If I was if I got to 2012 on that, I can't remember what year I did that. Then maybe. Maybe it wound up in there, but this the year came, I was telling everybody to see this damn thing. So, uh, and I think you had not seen it before this, no, but it was on my to watch list, which is funny because I loved the East. Oh, okay, the one that came after the, the, the <laughs> Batman glitch and her did that one, yeah. So, I was like, you know what, I eventually need to get around to everything they've done because I was mm-hmm. like, I really loved that, and she was so great. And there's just a ton of great actors in that too. I mean, I, I love Alexander Skarsgård not beca- not just because he is very easy on the eyes, but he's an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 truly is his father's son. Like, yeah, that whole family just the talent concentrated to that one family is it's not fair. No. It's not in the least because it's like, hey, one of them's gonna, one of them's gotta be not that. There's good. gotta be the Joey Estevez, right? Yeah, and then there's like, nope, nope, we're all we we can do everything, and I'm like, oh no, they don't have a Frank Stallone in there. No, I'm just constantly blown away by them as a mm-hmm. as a group. 
as a scars guardian <laughs> basically but yeah so I was I had seen did you so I I'm guessing you hadn't seen another earth no I haven't okay. seen that either but that's another one that's on my list still so, so yeah like um Britt Marling she is a really interesting cat and one a person like I really admire because uh this is her follow up she did another earth and this the same year but another earth got uh distributed the year before limited again um and then this one was held off till the next year and she also did the east and the oa on netflix and i've seen i didn't get to finish the oa i don't know why what happened like getting me to get on netflix and watch something is kind of tough i have my blu-rays and stuff and netflix just is a sea of just distractions to get to oh wait i forgot that that what was i on here to watch uh, but, uh, so I, she creates for herself. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best thing about her. She does a lot of the heavy lifting for film she's in. She's self-taught in writing and producing and stuff. Like she wanted, she wants to be an actor and the parts she wanted to play weren't there. And she's like, I'll just, I'll write them. And Bat Manglitch, uh, she knew from Chicago and, uh, I found out we're the same age and not far from it weren't far from each other where we're from but they went to la and they're like let's just write stuff for ourselves to do and boom here they are they they collaborate like we said he directed the east and he did 13 of the 16 episodes of the oa uh directing and i just i think that's just astounding and she's in a lot of other things but nobody i i wonder if she turns down bigger projects because she wants to just do what she wants like i don't know honestly i could i couldn't blame her because she's got a she's got a good thing going there and Mm -hmm. i I, as somebody that does a little bit of everything myself i really relate to like you know the kind of roles i want to play aren't there um uh so you know what just write just write what you want to see write what you want to do right yeah, right, as in R I G H T, but also right. Just what yeah. You um, yeah, and it's just it's, it's not really like she was on commu- an episode of Community once. That was like probably one of the bigger things I've seen her, and she also did uh, with the director of um, Another Earth. Um, she did his uh, one of his next films called I Origins, which uh, got some buzz a few years back or whatever. I I thought that was a pretty cool little movie. Uh, in line with this she didn't write that one or anything but it feels like she she could have uh, it's like this is insanely her kind of thing yeah yeah, it's totally her kind of thing and what i to, to get it more directly to sound of my voice but this would also go for another earth um i have an affinity for and i love and these things don't come around often as we'd like i love low-key but like big impact science fiction i I think it's great. This is the kind, this impresses me more than anything. And this is like, you know, another Earth like this. Uh, that movie Primer from many moons ago, like this. It's not a big, lavish production. It's very gorilla style. Like they, the plane scenes, they bought plane tickets to fly to San Francisco and come back and got that footage while they were on the plane. Had they been a big production, 
they couldn't have they couldn't have done that. Um, yeah. But it's got humongous ideas, a great narrative, a hum a big mystery, and just a great mental exercise for a viewer. Rather, you know, I don't know. I'm just it floors me this movie with that. Which. And that that's the kind of stuff that's the kind of science fiction I like because some I get lost in some of like the higher concept stuff that like really like leans into more world building, it seems like, than plot. Mm-hmm. Um it's easy to get lost in sci-fi because it is it's a vast genre. And honestly, this could be an episode of the Twilight Zone because yeah, how sure. some how some of the twilight zone episodes are just really just downplayed and you know kind of compact like that and mm-hmm. i was I, I thought a lot about the twilight zone because it also has that kind of that jaw dropping quality at the end of it that you're just like totally completely messes with your perception of everything that came before that and as big as the movie is or as the biggest idea is the movie that it's a little thing that makes you just what and and then bye and it's oh it's so good you're just you're sitting there and you're like what what <laughs> you're just like that just happened mm-hmm. and, it's, and, then, oh. and you're sitting there and you're trying to think about something that could explain that and you're like no there's no we'll come back around to the ending because i've got a lot and i'm like you are the film mentally prepares you for it and you have no idea the whole time yeah and it's uh, it's brilliant the movie is just it's got some sort of it's it's because it's low rent but like it's got some sort of like found footage qualities to it in terms of the the spookiness to some things and the intrigue and that's just kind of comes from the documentary style filmmaking but like the the opening when we open the movie with this couple goes to this random house at night and it's just already like and they have to do all these like weird like they have to take off their clothes they have to scrub themselves they get zip tied with their information papers blindfolded put in a van and then we wind up in this basement where there's these people and this woman and they're told they cannot ask any questions tonight and it's a it's a woman that has oxygen. She's hooked up to oxygen, and it's Britt Marling. And she's named Maggie, and she claims to be from the year 2054. And she's preparing them for what the future may hold. And it's like they're trying to expose her, these two. They're making a documentary to expose her uh, for being uh, a fraud because the, the male, uh, Peter, his mother was in a cult and got cancer and refused treatment because it went against her cult's practice and she died. And then the, his girlfriend, who's the other filmmaker, she uh, is a celebrity, uh, like a celebrity child, like child, child of celebrities. And she's been through rehab and all sorts of stuff and is doing this. And the whole movie is going through them, but you're wondering... Is Maggie bullshit or is Maggie maybe real? It's it's interesting. And even if you're given hard facts, you still kind of wonder. And then it's, it's yeah. Uh, and I love time travel stuff. That's an easy, like I'm an easy lay for time travel. 
but uh, it reminded me there was this. So when I it was like mid, it was late two thousands. There was this blog, and there was this guy who was like blogging, and he said he was from the future, and he was telling us about stuff in the future, and that he was going to go back soon. And all this stuff, and he like he's not supposed to do so many details, but he wants people to know about something. And it's just, it was really weird, creepy to read. And you're like, this is this is bullshit. But mm-hmm. what if it's not? Like, what is? It's just really weird. But that's the, that's the fun of yeah. it. Honestly, it's like, what if? <laughs> yeah, it it's safe QAnon, I guess. Right? Like, you're like, yeah, just it's interesting to read. This guy's stuff. I don't know if there's like a, it's like safe yeah. QAnon night might be the wrong thing to say, but it's it's something that's like not going to drive someone nuts. Well, okay, never mind. I'm gonna throw that out. It's weird. I read it. I was entertained because you know there's just some stuff like I really the, you just get a lot of just interesting creative writing ventures on the internet. And you're like, these people are just doing it because they love it too. It just right. like that just kind of makes me think of like, you know, how you have like creepy pastas like Reddit no sleep and stuff, and mm-hmm. how just honestly you can pull from so much of that. And some of them are just generally creepy little little stories. It's yeah. our own modern folklore almost. Yeah. And like you have this movie is really good at being super unpredictable. Like you mm-hmm. you think you have an idea where it's going or like something's going to happen and you don't know and yeah, it's it, it, there's a there's a focus on a little girl in the movie with a red hat that's specific she always has that hat on so you recognize her. Um and she's in a class that the Peter teaches cuz he's a teacher and part-time documentarian, I guess. and Or he's taking over for a, a teacher for a while. Um, and, like, we find out the girl ends up, Maggie's wants her kidnapped, and we find out that it's Maggie's mother. Like, her, yes. as a child. Like, because Maggie hasn't been born yet. And it's like, oh, crap. Where are we going with this? Or whatever. And it gets... You're just, like, everything in you, like, every true crime documentary... Right? Or watch it's sitting there right in the back of your head and you're like oh no you just immediately go to like the worst case scenario mm-hmm. and especially in a cult setting you're just kind of like please don't let there be any like weird child sacrifice oh gosh no it's it's really <laughs> odd um let's i i kind of wanted to go down through some of the characters in this i thought this would be a good way to discuss Kind of, um, and start with like Maggie, since she is the the focal point of it, uh, of it all. Um, she's very performance based with yes. the thing, and Marling is just—I don't know how she does it, but you are in awe of her, just as the mm-hmm. movie's characters are in awe, just because she just has a presence. Yeah, just astounds me that she's not in so many more movies. But <laughs> if she wants to create her own stuff, I get it. But I'm just like. Dang, and she—you can see why people would just kind of be interested in her. Mm-hmm. Is she full of shit? Is she genuine? And but I do get that she relishes in uh, the ability to control people. I did One, that. just just how intense, 
how just she kind of goes from super intense to laid back almost Mm -hmm. really interests me in that because she's just like one second she's having people vomiting and then the next she's just talking about things like this and Mm -hmm. it's just it's bizarre but it's so interesting it is yeah you're like and she you know all her stuff is super vague too. Yeah. So, so you don't it's like it's like a bullshitter would do. And you get to see her when Peter gets asked to kidnap. Um she brings he gets to go back to her like bedroom or whatever and she's smoking a cigarette and drinking whatever's in the green uh bottles which they have tons of stock of and you get to see her just like oh man so it's like it is kind of a show. I made I made a note about that mm-hmm. about the her smoking and I'm like, you know, I said I would question her smoking and being on oxygen and stuff, but then I think about my dad's parents mm-hmm. because it's like I, some of them were on oxygen and stuff, and then off and on, and it's like, well, they're still smoking. So well, I have to wonder <laughs> is the oxygen for show? For sure, exactly. That's what I was thinking about. I was like. I was like, I see both sides of this. And I'm like, I'm not going to run myself crazy over this one. Right. Little- <laughs> well, that and she, we have to say like, um, she's allergic to the food of the time. So they grow <laughs> apples and stuff in her house mm-hmm. where they take, where they have these meetings and stuff. And cause she can't eat. There is questioned like uh, the somewhat of how they're growing it and stuff, but it gets deflected, which Anytime she's questioned or grilled about something, she deflects. She never answers. She turns it on the other person. I noticed that. Like Constance Wu has her husband is one of the people. And this is one of the most memorable scenes from the movie is uh, someone asked her to sing a song from the future, from her time. And she says she's going to sing what was very popular before she left. And she sings Dreams by the Cranberries. And the guy points it out and it was like um and she said it was oh well you know songs go forever in my time it's made famous by this guy and he asked her to name something that um could happen soon that she could kind of prove because he's a fact person he's not a faith-based person you can tell and she then flips on him. Can you name this? Can you do that? Can you, when was this? But the weird thing is she knows exactly when the JFK assassination is because she asked him for something from 1959 and he says that and she goes, that was 1964 and knew the date. It's crazy that she would know that, but that's a history book thing. So she possibly taught that. But every time that happens, she turns it to the other person and never answers. And that, what's so Interesting. You can really tell that Brett Marling mm-hmm. went all in on the cult stuff, looking into like oh, yeah. how to create that doubt mm-hmm. in the viewer. And uh, it's just, it's just awesome how, how it's done because it's, it's almost textbook. Perfect. How right. she does that. Yeah. And you can see different kinds of people in the members. There's the, uh, there's the woman with the short hair who is just, into it yeah and she is in and then there's a guy who's just kind of like did you have shrooms before you came to every meeting Uh, who's actually he's a um 
He's been in a lot of s- stuff. I, I, I noted him from this movie. I had to do a QC on the DVD with Milo Ventimiglia and uh, what's her name? Uh, Lacey Chabert called Dirty Deeds. It was like a little teen comedy uh, from 2005. Um, and... But he was like the the asshole jock in that movie. Uh, but he's a costume designer for a lot of big movies. I've noticed. I can't remember his name right now. But uh, yeah, he's that guy. Um, and then there's just you know there's some other people, but they're all oh yeah happy happy and it just seems like maybe it's because they're new. But Constance Wu and her husband are kind of hmm, about things. And then of course our documentarians are. Um, but, and I think that the Constance Wu and her husband in there really kind of foreshadow that kind of split between the couple, mm-hmm. honestly, and their ideology there. Right. And really. I find that really interesting because it's it's the complete opposite. There's um, Peter and he's like, oh, yeah, let's move to Peter. Yes. He's just interesting on principle because he has that cult background mm-hmm. because he watched his mother be suckered in by a cult. And then you find out, then you're just wondering, is he falling for the same stuff his mother? Exactly. Yeah. Because he's just so innately charmed by Maggie and it, it, I think that's interesting because it drives a lot of not only inner turmoil for him, but it's like it becomes external conflict for yeah. him too. Yeah, he gets really defensive and mean when it's brought up to him. And I don't know, like, it's a weird thing. Is he in love with the cult thing or is he in love with Maggie? Or they are just in awe of her so much, not so much of the stuff, but, or is he just like, He's trying to sell it as he's just in so deep he can't go back, and he's we're, we we got to do this right, so we got to sell it. Um, like he he does a thing like where he's trying to get some microphone or a camera, and he swallows it to, to oh. get in there, and then it happens to be the apple day where they she she gives them all apples and says to uh, recall the childhood memory. Now eat the apple, and then she's like, "Why did you trust me to eat the apple?" You ne- it's got toxins in it, it's the bad one, and then she makes them all puke it up. Well, he won't do it because he's got the, the thing he just swallowed in him, uh, but he's able to get it out of the puke stuff before he before she could see it. But he gets in a big turmoil, and she gets into his head about his something with a parent and draws <laughs> out about his mother to him. And from then on, he's a bit changed. That scene is so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, the tension in that you're just you're just sitting there and you're just like what and then you just watch her just dismantle him she rips him apart and then he's like oh this was an act da 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 and it's like no no yeah you you were mm." it's like you were taken in by that brother you're not you're not Mm -hmm. that cool yeah any of us any of us would have been, you know, just completely just ripped apart there. Right. Yeah. He, it got to him. It get it like right to him and he is sucked in and he goes ahead with, I mean, he goes ahead with the plan. Um, yeah. He's ready to give up the kid like the way she wants it. 
but yeah. it's that Lorna, the girlfriend, convinces him to out in public uh, do it yeah. because there's a there's a whole other thing with that. But I don't understand how he's just not more uncomfortable with that, and that makes you that you're like he's that's my sign to me that he's in he's in this mm-hmm. more so than he's at uh, least gone from. 100% I'm going to expose this cult to now. I'm 75% in the cult. 25% of me still wants to do this thing. Like he like he slowly builds, but yeah. by the end, I think he's 75, 25, um, which is really, yeah, interesting because he's the, like, I think it's all him and Lorna's along for the ride. And yeah. then Lorna, the girlfriend, she flops over. Like she's along for the ride and then becomes the one who wants to expose it more and questions him. Like she, I think goes in like, okay, this cult thing's whatever. And, um, sees what it does to Peter. And, uh, but she also herself was an addict, uh, recovered addict. And I felt through this cult thing, through seeing what happens to Peter and her experience with it, I think she's finally actually recovered from her addiction and seeing clarity in life and mm-hmm. and stuff. I think it's this that finally cleans her up for good. Like yeah. I don't think she's doing drugs, but I think her addictive mentality is gone after that cuz she's probably yeah. addicted to just a relationship with Peter and doing this crazy thing and with him. Her veganism too. They mentioned yeah. that. I was like she just trades one addiction for another. Right, exactly. It's, uh, it's, I'll be this is less harmless you can and it's like no nothing against veganism but she trades one obsession for another Mm -hmm. um and that one member takes her out to shoot a gun at one point and i think that's where she's like i'm not addicted to this or i this is a thing that she doesn't want or doesn't like the feeling of that people get addicted to owning guns shooting guns like that's it's a it is an addiction yeah she uh, she's a really interesting character too mm-hmm. because just I think I find her to be very human mm-hmm. and uh, she's honestly she's in a weird way more grounded than Peter at right. the end of it because she's both feet on the ground she's like this cult thing is a Right. Yeah. And she follows through with it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Peter's just, he has his whole world rocked. Right. <laughs> and she has, she does have a grounded stuff too, because in her storyline, after her and Peter fight, uh, she gets confronted by a member of the FBI looking for Maggie, gets her real name, finds out that Maggie apparently has wanted for armed robbery, kidnapping, like all sorts of things. And she's like, she's like, I don't know about this. And then the person goes, have they asked you to kidnap a child yet? And she's like, what? Cause that's a thing that had happened. And so now we get this side of things where there's factual police stuff that kind of brings it to reality for us. We're like, okay, full of shit, full of shit. Um, and that's where she becomes an operative for them by convincing Peter to do the child thing, but meet in a public place. Like I, I was, I was really kind of relieved that in case it was just you know trash and whatever, that she wasn't that willing to risk a child's safety. Right, I, right. You know, 
I complete. I was because that's one thing about Peter that I was like, oh my god, if you risk, if something happens to this kid, it's like, it's like you're not even real, and I want to slap you. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, last character I kind of wanted to focus on is Klaus, mm-hmm. because it's possible he's the mastermind of all of this. Yeah. Like, he's very quiet in the background. They all will have to go through him. He found uh, Maggie. Maggie's story is that she woke up in a tub in the present year of 2011. Or was it 2010? It's not 2054. uh, And she wandered the streets and stuff, and he got her off the streets, and now there's this. And is she the figurehead for him? Is he... I don't know. Like he's because it's like how much how much of this and even then you could think how much is he manipulating her to do this? Right. It's what's happening behind the scenes here because you really are you're just stuck you're just plopped into this situation like Peter and Lorna are. Right. You're, and then left to fend for yourself and you you go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you get sucked in, and you get pulled out, and then you get sucked back in again. And at the end, you're like, what's happening? Well, he's always got an eye on everyone. He's always... And the thing is, he is such an afterthought that Mm -hmm. even as a viewer, you'll leave the movie and don't think about him. You're you're only thinking about Maggie. You're only thinking about Peter. You're only thinking about Lauren. You think about Abigail, the, the girl, the and... You just he's in the he's in the back the shadows like he wants, and Maggie's his figure. And if something goes down, Maggie will go down. But I bet all the co- the the cash all any, well anything tied to them is probably him. But. Like what gets me though at the end? Call the lawyers, and you're like, huh? yeah, the lawyers, yeah, lawyers. It's <laughs> like well, 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 the lawyers. Yeah, the lawyers. It's, yeah. <laughs> How far is, does this go? Because, uh, you know, you hear about cults having lawyers and stuff, mm-hmm. and, like, they don't seem that sophisticated on the surface. Right. But then when he's, I'm just like, what? That, that little detail just really got me. I was like, call the lawyers. Why, why do you have lawyers? It's such a soft, gentle group. And and Klaus is always pretty soft himself. Like, and at the end, you see the one, like the, the short-haired woman, and him, like, mm. like it's it's really so. Let's oh, let's go to that ending. So we're here. They have Abigail. Peter goes and he sabotages the car of a teacher that's supposed to take this field trip to a museum. At the museum is where they're gonna meet. Um, he's gonna take Abigail to Maggie. Um, so Peter gets to be the sub for that field trip. He takes Maggie or Abigail. Abigail wants to meet Maggie. She's really intrigued. She's not like, oh, help. And they take, takes her to him and they kind of just, ah, it's supposed to be this magical thing, but you're like, what in the world? And in the movie, every time you go to Maggie's house, you meet face to face with, um, Klaus and with Klaus you do this extremely intricate handshake hand jive all sorts of things to get in it's impressive like and everybody does it like I imagine there's a bunch of bad takes with this thing going wrong 
I, uh, on the I floor. wrote a note about that while I was watching that about, I was like, I would never get in this cult. I would never. No, get you can't get cult. a handshake down. A handshake. I'd just be like, and they'd be like, no, Jamie, get out, get out of the can cult. We just, like You're high gone. five and then spin and then peace. <laughs> like, so the handshake, which, wow. Uh, <laughs> it's impressive. And so at the end, when Abigail and her are staring at each other and they do the handshake and it's like, what? And she goes, where did you learn? The girl, little girl's like, where did you learn that? Or my handshake? Or where'd you learn that? And she goes, you taught it to me. And then the FBI busts in and takes <laughs> takes her out. And and Peter's like, what? Like he sees it and, and you see it and you're like, and the, the the police take uh Britt Marling, uh, Maggie out of there. The Klaus is like, call the lawyers and stuff. And that's the end of the movie. And you're just left with what the f- whole what? How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. And then it just it just ends. It just ends, and you can tell that they were kind of looking towards continuing it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I kind of like that it just ends. Yeah. And then there's there's this thing though with Abigail at her home and she's got this father yeah. that you're like is he abusing her or like what's because he gives her medicine right or medication that made me so uncomfortable I was like is he drugging this kid like, because there's no reason for him to be doing that between her toes like that yeah so I'm like ah. <laughs> yeah so that's really weird um yeah and I don't know maybe but like she the, it's just the craziest thing the handshake and i'm wondering if there's some sort of hidden thing that she was being trained that handshake for a certain time mm-hmm. and they was able to to keep away deflect bullshit but that's just fucking crazy when you see that ending and you i i remember when i was in the theater i was like what 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 <laughs> I have to talk about I like I, I like I need to recommend this to like every single person. I don't care if they like it. I want to discuss that ending. Here I am today, finally, on a thing discussing that ending. But it's one of the coolest damn endings to a movie. I I just love just how you're just left it's left hanging like that, and you're just like they were playing like a trilogy. I'm glad they didn't go through with it because I like it stopping here. I did. So much better just stopping here. This is like if Halloween didn't get a sequel and Michael Myers is just done. Michael Myers is still out there. Like, I love these endings. And it, and I'm like, I have to go back through this damn thing. I have to watch it again and again. And I love Brit and Azal have not ever talked about the ending or explained what it is or anything. And I fucking love that like it's so david lynch i know i keep david lynch the last time but this truly is some david Mm. david shit like (laughs) yeah people people seem this day these days to be like allergic to ambiguity and it bothers me and like so many dumb explained articles out there that people and and when something's open ended like this, people are like, "Oh, there's going to be another one. It's a sequel." It's like, no, no, that's just it, folks. That's you go home, talk about it. I think one of the things I love about film is the mental exercise. I love it when you challenge me. I love it when you make something that I like. 
you know, people give no- Christopher Nolan a lot of shit because he wants people to watch his movies more than once. But fucking, that's what that's what it's about. Yeah. Like, don't you want to watch a movie more than once? Don't you want your mind to think? And I get people want to. I want to turn my brain off and okay, fine. But don't get mad at the ones that challenge you, that give you credit. Yeah, like that. Like you know, there's and that's fine. Like there's sometimes I just want to watch something that's mindless. But like when I'm really engaged, I need something that's mm-hmm. up on my level, and I. And that's the thing. If I like it, I want to watch it again. I want to watch it a million times. Right. Um, and I like that's when I feel truly alive. Yes. <laughs> I know. I this. live for this. Exactly. <laughs> that's what that's what makes me just I'm just I'm I'm happy. I'm truly happy when I'm doing that. And the fact that, you know, the people who are like, well, you know, I don't want something that I'm like, hush, you're just mad because it demands something of you. Or you don't think or you're like, it's smarter than me. It's like not smarter than you. Just think about it and talk about it and go. What did you think it was? I they're, don't know. Well, what happened? Like, well, they're at, it's like it's asking for another level of audience engagement. Yep. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's. That just makes for such honestly, here I am. I'm going to get weird and scholarly, just analytically rich, just content. A movie, a movie shot for two dollars with a hundred million dollar ending. Yes, like I'm going to tell you, like you know, if uh, uh, bringing up Christopher Nolan, if Christopher Nolan had made that, people would still be talking about it widely because everybody still talks. I I bet he loves this movie. I bet he's seen it and I bet he loves it. Oh yeah. Because I think about how, you know, Inception has that open ending and you just kind of, it just stops. Right. It just stops. And you're just like, okay. And they're like, what was that? What was it? He's like, fucking watch the movie. Just watch (laughs) it. Just watch, watch it again. And then it's like, I don't want to. Well, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's how I feel about it. I like stuff that asks asks more of me. I like to be engaged either mentally or emotionally or both. Um because I, I just one thing I like about it too is it's not pandering, it doesn't treat you like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like some stuff just kind of it's just like, oh, okay, this is almost condescending. Yeah. But, you know, as I said, this is a whole other level of audience engagement. Um, and I, I like ambiguity. I, I like. Do. I do. That's what oh, got me onto John Carpenter. Like his endings were all like, and I love the that. Thing, the, the ending to the thing is one of the best endings ever. It just ends there mm. and you're just like, <gasps> it's. Uh, the Prince of Darkness has another really good ending, and one of the scariest shots I've ever seen in my life that I still have nightmares about. They I, just, I love these endings. Hit, you know, Hitchcock had silly stuff, but the Twilight Zone had, they call them the Twilight Zone endings for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love it when you end like that. And I'm like, huh. And I think about it and I want to, I love studying a film. I love sitting with one film. Like this is what one of my problems like nowadays with so much stuff. Like we don't get to enjoy, we get a weekend to enjoy a film. Yeah. And it's, it's like, well, on to the next thing, on to the next. 
And that's the thing. I, I feel that frustration as a writer, somebody that's really deeply into analysis. I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to focus on like certain things and just do it top to bottom, look at it top to bottom. And then people are like, OK, but we're not interested in that because it's not the hot new thing now. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care if it's the hot new thing. It that is- was Monday today. It's Tuesday. That was Monday. It's Tuesday now. Like, yeah. Like- and I'm like, but here's the thing. People are going to want to read about it, period, because I know right. there's other people out there that are sitting there like I am. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is eating me alive. I need to talk about this, this in this piece. Um, like, I just think about, you know, speaking of like endings that are just kind of like, uh, and movies that just really... Um, had me just like, I need to tear this film apart. I love it that much. It was mm-hmm. Tim Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's a, that's a shocker for most people who are like, Oh, that's the Cloverfield universe. I'm like, that movie is on some other level just for me. And just I'm besides like, the point, the Cloverfield thing, it's still, yeah, it just, I feel like, honest to God, it functions as, just its own thing within that universe. Right. And just that little microcosm of it is just interesting to me because I'm like, societally, what's happening in that bunker is so interesting because of how yeah. it reflects, you know, I, and I've wrote about this a lot because yeah, I, I know that's one of your key ones that you come back to. It's good stuff. I'm a, Obsessed. I'm obsessed with how Howard really embodies the idea of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. whereas Emmett embodies the idea of a healthy masculinity. And I'm like, I'm obsessed with it. And when I came, and that's the thing, I watched this so many times that I finally came to that conclusion because it's like I had my my brain my little well, I'm bird. glad we have your brain because most yeah. were like well that was the horror movie this weekend what's next week on and yeah. it's like no we need to stick around here there's interesting things to be found and yeah i mean i don't want people searching for sound of my voice and just getting opening weekend reviews like that's what i feel we're going to be saddled with like we need to stick on only once in a while do some come along that do that like i know there's a lot of good invisible man pieces but mm-hmm. like other there's other movies too like i always point back to we mentioned inception i'm like that should have been like an all-timer we didn't stop talking about it for like the year but because there's so many movies coming out like even though it did well at the box office week after week it just kind of there was other too many other things to sit and just like talk about the craft the question the things in there and we just it was back if that would have came out in the 90s or the 80s We've been talking. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about it for a long time. And, yeah. just, and not to say like, oh, Inception's the greatest movie of all time or anything like that. I really love Inception, but I'm just saying like that type of movie yeah. was like the talking point for like half a year back mm-hmm. in the day. And now it's that was the big movie of that week or the month of July. Like that was and it's like it's gone. You know, it's mm. and- from a criticism standpoint, from an analysis standpoint, here I am getting scholarly again on it. But here's the thing. We have to look at stuff and reassess it and reevaluate yeah. it because that's how stuff changes. Because, I I mean, I think Jennifer's body is a really good example of a, 
of what critical reassessment can right. do for a film, mm-hmm. um, especially one that's kind of before its time. It's just if we stop talking about stuff just because it's not the new thing, we're never going to progress. We're never going to get any good ideas. We're never going to get any good criticism. It's just it's trash. It's a trash mindset. And I hate it. And well, I, 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 I think so. Sorry to cut you off. Into, <laughs> but I, I wanted to piggyback on what you said, because it goes with it. Like, I think there's a whole vault of our film history that's inaccurate. We go to Rotten Tomatoes, that's that, that score. But I'm talking like, let's go 2015 and before. Totally mm-hmm. inaccurate. And I talked with Sheree Bohannon when she was on here and we talked about Meteor Man. And I and I think that there's a, like you look at scores on things, you're like, wow, people love that though. How did the critics, we didn't have for the longest time and we I still don't think we do enough women critics black critics latino critics asian like we didn't have enough back then so there's a lot of those movies that aren't getting the fair shake or the proper assessment and i don't think like oh only horror people should you know do horror movies that's a whole nother that's a different thing but we should get the perspectives of all like a better equal perspectives other than white dude went to the movies on the weekend white old dude went to the movies on the weekend and then the young white dude comes up and he can make a movie uh, like the thing Blade Runner. That's us young white dudes coming up and being like, no, that was really good. And like, okay, it's really good now. Okay. Blah. But we need that with other things too. Yeah. Like Jennifer's body. I had no idea it was so beloved till Twitter yep. started building. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, like I, I like that. I had, I was one of the people I saw it when it was in theater. I was, like getting ready to turn like 16, I think mm-hmm. at that point, um, 15, 16, I was blown away. And I had been sitting waiting for that moment. And here's the thing. There's other people that are out there with other films that are sitting there waiting for critical reassessment on Tons. some, on some level. It just depends on what you're interested in. And that's the thing, as you said, like so much stuff is inaccurate. Like think about like, if you pull from literature, like, you know, the great Gatsby, when it came out, we, we weren't getting like good LGBTQ um, criticism of that. Then mm-hmm. when it came out, that right. was the thirties that's come like in the more recent years, right? Um, like reassessment is important. And I could sit here and talk critical theory all day long because that's something I am passionate about. And Mm -hmm. this is my call for more outlets to take the chance on that. Right. Because people, people, that's the thing. They'll be like, Oh, I'm so glad that people are still talking about this film and stuff. And I'm like, exactly. Because here's the thing stuff sticks with people. Right. It's not just, it's not like, okay, here it is. We've said it, we've talked about it for like a week or a month. We set it aside. It's mm-hmm. it's done now. And I, of course, as I said, my little bird brain is still stuck in last September hmm. watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. Right. <laughs> my little brain, she's like, we're still stuck on this. I'm like, okay, okay, that's fine. And I'm still upset. That's the thing. I was like, stuff doesn't get old for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because if I like it, I really like it. Um, and I was like, 
please, please take more chances on stuff like that. Because I'm like, you know, that's the kind of stuff I, I want to see as a reader too. Yeah. These, these reassessments and these. Well, I want them because I want the recommendation. Like I feel my <laughs> passed over just because. And it's like, no, it's actually watch it again. It's really good. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, it's really good. I'm mean, sure like the entire like romantic comedy genre needs a, re- a fair yeah. reassessment. I agree. I agree because I said um, I had this discussion with my friend Emily. We do this ever so often where I talk about how, you know, horror, sci-fi and like rom-coms get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Like automatically people just turn their nose up at it because it's not just some snooty Oscar bait mm-hmm. drama of the second. And I'm like, but there's some real content there that deserves proper analysis that deserves um proper attention that it's not getting right yeah they have their own like award circuits and stuff to get awards but in a mainstream way yeah it's just it makes me so sad because it's the people they put their heart into it just like everything else and it's just as good yeah if if not even better sometimes right Right. Just, this is something that makes me just deeply sad. Like people automatically like sound of my voice. It's like, oh, this is a low budget film. And I'm like, you know what? But this is more, <laughs> this is probably one of the most truer science fiction type tales uh, than most of the decade. Like this, like a lot of science fiction, you were touching upon it earlier about like, it's more set decoration than it is actual science fiction ideas and stuff nowadays like it's it's like fantasy films or action films with space stuff and like this the real hardcore sci-fi um it doesn't happen a lot it feels very ray bradbury for me Mm -hmm. because you just think about like uh, a sound of thunder Mm -hmm. like into that short story like which deals with time travel like and that ending is just such a jaw dropper and it ends there. They leave you there. Um, so it feels very much, you know, a love letter to that kind of yeah. type of sci-fi that wasn't just spectacle. Um, it left you um, something to think to mull over. And the fact that they took this web series and somehow it works as a three act structure is just crazy when it was just supposed to be these little vignettes that strung together a story and then hour and a half movie boom and yeah look at this it's actually it's like less than an hour and a half like an hour 25 yeah there's more character building that like it doesn't need a two and a half hours to do this Mm-mm. it's super tight and effective and uh, a netflix show or a movie today that with a bigger budget would have felt the need to tell you about every single person in that cult and why they were there, what they're looking for. Um, the FBI would have had some sort of background that related to it a little bit and all but, like but all this you, unnecessary stuff, tight trim, thrill me. Basically you would have done like Stephen King, bless his heart. He gets so caught up in his own world building. Yeah. Everybody has a backstory, and you're it's like, I'm gonna tell you about it. <laughs> right. I mean, like, this I'm getting these these things we've been talking about today, uh, whether it be Maggie or um, Peter, Lorna, Klaus, all these people we're coming through 
aren't necessarily because they showed it to us. It's looks on the actors' faces. It's physical action scene. It's through what they're saying and how we interpret it. And that's the that's good writing. That's where you yeah. want rather than I was this person and I did this. Oh well, that's a sad story. It is. And then the like they don't tell us; they show us. And that's the best form of. That's why I love movies because movies can do that and the others can't. Like the, it's a, got a visual medium uh, that you know I I can read and get the same thing out of. I can you know uh, prettiness. Like I love cinematography, but you can look at a great photo and get great framing. But the way the moving picture does and the way editing can convey, it's it's, it's astounding. And this movie has a lot of that. And our conversation today is heavily off of what we got from that stuff. Exactly, because it just, we only have what we are given, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with Moat, like, like a lot of stuff, like, I like the ambiguous elements and things, um, because, like, you get so many interesting theories and whatnot that Mm -hmm. goes into that. Um, I love, I love film period right so. <laughs> well, i love sharing it with like people like yourself where like you tell me things and i'm like ooh, that starts informing my and i'm like oh and it can help my mind and ch- like i i love it like and something like this is such a conversation starter and such and a- I, talk, I talk to my students about this like you know when you're writing about uh something you're entering a scholarly discussion you're entering that mm-hmm. everything's in discussion with one another and everybody can bounce off of that yeah it, it's the thing like I used to love doing where uh, when I was in like high school and stuff, like we would, you know, go to a movie at night and then go like get like breakfast at IHOP like right after or something and talk talk about the movie, something like that. And then my friends apparently grew up and I did not because I still love to do that. I don't go to IHOP anymore, but uh, to discuss movies. I'm And then in LA, be like, let's go get a drink after talk about the movie when I lived out there. And that's what people do. But it's. It doesn't that's, stop at the credits. Like, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, like, I grew up doing that with mm-hmm. because I was the weird kid and, like, my best friends were my parents. I was very lonely. So, you know, mm-hmm. what? I, I did that with my parents and that was... That's awesome. We we loved... We, my parents went to a movie and that was it. That was They, they might have said, well, that was funny. We loved, discuss- we loved discussion like my yeah. dad and my mom both watched Malignant. Um, oh, that's great. On my, on my recommendation, because I was like, this is my mother's going to love this. I was like, my dad's going to be lukewarm on it. He's not going to hate it, but he's not going to love it. Like she. Gotcha. She and I was right. Then oh. he calls me up and he's like, Jamie, this is James Wands. And if you've not seen it redacted, basically, this is his version of a other film. If I say mm-hmm. it. It's a spoiler. True. We're only spoiling sound of my voice here today. Yeah. He uh, and he was talking about that, and he was like, "But it's better." And I'm like, "Yes, yes, it is." And he, we were, t- we were talking about that, and then we were talking about James Wan just always goes for whatever's in his mind. Hmm. He's so and good. He, he's he's committed, and I I appreciate that mm-hmm. deeply for him. He's he's great. <laughs> and that. We just we discuss things and like a few a few weeks back um, we what my dad rented Pig 
And he oh, told okay. he told me, "Hey, I rented this. You should go watch it because it's the forty eight hour rental." So yeah. I so I went and watched it, and I'm just sitting there on my couch, just bawling over <laughs> Nicholas Cage. And I call my dad, and I'm like, "How'd you like Pig?" And he's like, "Oh, I loved it." And then we we talked about it. So no, we um. We discussed, you know, the whole idea of passion and like what stuff means to different people. And I've just, I've been, I realize I have been blessed to have parents like that mm-hmm. because I'm like, some people are like, that's weird. You you talk to your parents about that stuff. And somebody told me once that I took the fun out of everything because I just wanted to talk about it. I wanted to pick it apart. And I was like, it's well, picking you know, it apart. It's a, it's a. It's an educational discussion. It's a yes. It's like do you not discuss things, and then finally, I found my my people who would discuss this stuff with me. It, it took to college that I finally have people to talk to about things outside of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but my my mom and dad, they're always they're always game to discuss stuff, the ideas they have, what mm-hmm. what came across their mind while they were watching stuff, what things reminded them of. So you know, I have my podcast. That's where I I do it because I get a lot of people like they're into stuff, but they're in it in like such a fandom way that I'm like I'm into like the craft of it like i'm a fan of film uh, <laughs> I, do have, I do have fandoms of things like but i i also always look at things like a in a film sense of like creators you know writers directors cinematographers acting stuff like that and i don't get into like the super specific fandom stuff because when it comes to making the film most of it doesn't matter and no. not to, i mean it's what happens but I just yeah, I and I am fan geeky on s- some things, and I think people who listen know that. But I mean, most of my love and fandom stuff is fan of the craft itself. Exactly, like you know, a lot. Of, like if I'm a fan of something, it's because I I'm totally taken with it. I'm taken with all the elements mm-hmm. of it. I'm in 100. Like this is like as I talked about, like bringing up James Wan again. He just. Everything he does, just he puts himself into, and that's yeah. I'm a fan of directors and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, that I'll I'll go there. But like, yeah, and with most of my like franchises, I love. I'm like, give me a, just give me a good, give me a good picture. Um, (laughs) like I don't care if it's good for fans or it's a really fan. Like, yeah, most of that has wanky stuff that is forced anyway. But like, if you give me a good picture. And it had nothing to do with the other ones, or with like I'm happy I got a good movie. Like that's that's all I want. Just give me a good movie. I don't yeah. care if it's super fanish or goes the way the fans would like. Yeah. Fuck them. Make a good movie. That's the thing. Like I hate the idea that like oh that you have to things get pandery in mm-hmm. that like you get some writing that goes against the grain for the characters that way, and I'm like. No, I'm going to go in line with these characters, with this plot, with the vision of it, just because people like that mm-hmm. thing, that element of it, I'm not going to, you know. Right. That's when you get into some weird stuff that just, and it feels forced and it feels very fake. Um, and I've, I, you see that a lot with television. Yeah. Like with episodic television that has more than one season. Um, I would say the one, sh- like, and here's the thing, the stuff that doesn't give into that, 
gets canceled. <laughs> right. Stuff that doesn't give into that gets canceled. And the, the, immediately when I was talking about this, I thought about the Exorcist television series because oh, I was, was a like, fun show. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. It's a good show. The writing was top notch. The acting was top notch. You never thought it would be, but it ended up being really good. Yeah, like you're just like, oh, this could be a toss up. And I just, I just watched it for fun. That I was like, I'm obsessed. And like, it never felt like it was pandering to you because oh, no. everything was done in line with the characters and the plot. And it was just a really good show and it explored so many cool things. And then I was heartbroken. And now they're going to do another one, which will likely be pandery, but I'm, I'm worried about that because I was like, we already got a good sequel. Y'all we Mm -hmm. just season three, bring back season three. Well, I mean, we got, we got the original film exorcist three is really, really rad. And we got that show. And then Exorcist 2 is a crazy movie that if you like just batshit productions and stuff, you get that too. So And that's the thing, like it's a win. Get, I, people people get mad when they're like, haven't they beat a franchise to death? And I'm like, in some ways, yes. But then also there's way there's different kinds of stuff that you know pushes innovation in it. Um, but I like, always say this: Do you get mad anytime a new Dracula's? Do you hear that stuff when a Dracula movie's made? <laughs> no, people are like, "Oh, again? Oh, it's this guy." Funny. Oh. So funny that you mentioned that because my best friends. I have two best friends that I'm just we're so close. We're like sisters. Mm-hmm. Her husband has. We joke that the only book he's ever read was Dracula, and then like. <laughs> After we started joking about that, we really started noticing how much Dracula's content there is. But it's always like there's room for more, so mm-hmm. to speak. And we we joked that we were going to start a podcast that's the four of us talking about different Dracula adaptations. <laughs> because yeah, you'd have a long run of that show. Yeah, there's so, there's so there's just so much content out there, and it's like yeah, like what you said, nobody nobody's fussing like because I can think of like four Dracula things off the top of my head mm-hmm. because you've got uh, Chloe Zhao doing it, um, you have a Karen Kasama, and then there's the one that there was the Klaus Bang uh, one the, uh, the Stephen Moffat one that was on Netflix, and that's recent. And then you think about how there's the one that's set on the ship. That's mm-hmm. coming out. The last voyage of the Demeter, I think. Which I've been. That's a cool story. Um, but it's not getting done by uh, Neil Marshall anymore, is it? I don't. Th- I don't think so. Because that was one of his babe, like pet projects. I thought he left it, but I'm. I'm not sure. I'm not going to look it up. But yes, that one. And like, I just like there's there's room. There's always room. It feels like, and you know, uh, I like I was thinking about like. Franchises that have went on a long time that you see a lot of fussing about, like back to James Wan. It seems like Saw mm-hmm. and like Spiral, and Spiral was different, very different because it felt like Saw meets police procedural. It was like Saw right. meets Law and Order almost for me, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Huh, this really is different from the other ones." And you know. It's like say what you want about it, and say what you want about the 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 jigsaw one. Yeah, 
was like it was giving us something different and you know what i i really dug it that it was going in different places they have their fans i mean look at friday the 13th in the 80s i mean at the time like blah all that now it's like oh but but the new blood's my favorite or this i i don't mind jason takes manhattan and all that that'll, that'll be the solve give it yes give it time I've started, you're starting to see it too, Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's really, you know. As long as people don't defend Saw 5, I'm. No, I ranked Saw's, and I think that's my second least favorite. That and the the 3D one are the the pits. Oh, they're so bad. They're so bad. Six six is really high on my list. Six was. The healthcare one, yeah. Yeah, I said, I didn't expect. I did not expect Jigsaw to say healthcare for all, but he did. And I was about it because I had a lot of fun with that when I was like, yeah. you know, what, here, here's an allegory. They took a allegory and it they- had something to say all of a sudden. It was like, oh, <laughs> I, was right. like, I was like, I'm, I'm here. I'm glad it's, I'm glad we're on the same page with this because I recently watched every Saw movie. I'd mm-hmm. never done that. I'd never sat down and watched every Saw movie. And then I did. And I was like, Yep. Here's my here's my saw. Uh it's just like Saw 6 is so fun. Um but yeah, Saw 5, uh Saw the final chapter and Saw 4 were my least favorite. <laughs> four, four's like okay though. That's the side quill one where I'm like, all right, I guess we're going we're taking a big step down now, but Yeah, but funny enough that has my favorite trap in it. But that's one of my least favorites. Mm. And I'm just sitting there like, just really hate Detective Hoffman. But that's a whole other discussion Mm -hmm. that I could go on forever. Host the Spandalore. Which he does great. He does great playing a bastard. Yeah. It's just you you want John Kramer the whole time. That's kind of the... It's just like, I hate... It's just like he's... It's like, I'll never forgive you for any of the stuff you've done. <laughs> right. God. just. <sighs> well, we have gone way off of sound of my voice. <laughs> back around somewhere. To, uh, yeah, I don't know where to go back. If we go up in the alphabet, S-A-W to S-O-U. <laughs> because it's like, you know, you're getting... Oh. I get my mind is like word association. So, so sound of my voice, I, one neat thing, but right before we were recording, started recording, I noted, I realized I inadvertently brought to the table for you to come on the same type of film that you brought to me when I came on. I I thought about that too. I just was like, I just want to talk about sound of my voice. And I think Jamie would be good to talk about it with. And then I'm sitting down, I'm like, she picked something really similar, like production wise, like all I like I it was not it was it was intended to discuss it with you, but not in that deep of a fashion. But it Because I thought I thought about that too. I was like, this would make a great double feature. It would. Yeah. Like nice, low budget, high quality, big impact. Made around the same time. Yeah, made around exact yeah. It was just like, I was like, I know, I was, I thought, did he plan this? Or is this just a happy accident? Subconsciously, maybe. But I was like, I was like, I want to talk about sound of my voice. And I was like, looking through, and I was like, Jamie would be good to talk about that. Because 
I like smaller films yeah. and I like, I like stuff that people aren't, you know, talking about because I'm mm-hmm. like, I made that, I somehow have made that my mission to talk about everything that people are not talking about or not. And we are about. talking about, we brought back sound of my voice yep. 10 years later. Yeah. And that's the thing. I was like, it's like when you said that, I was like, heck yes. <laughs> from the East. I was like, I'm here for it. So now you could go back to another earth. So that's your yes. traveling backwards. Just try just go backwards and just watch everything. And that, that's the thing. Like I, I'm slow with stuff, but I'll get to it eventually. At your own pace. <laughs> that was my goal in 2020 when January hit. I was like, everything at my own pace. I've been yeah. doing okay with it. There are some things I rush through, but I'm like, at my own pace. Yeah. I live saner. That Despite everybody talking about whatever, at my own pace. Exactly. Because that's the thing. Everybody comes to everything at at their at the I feel it's like oh you sound like a hippie but you come to things at the right time mm-hmm. for you right. and I I can say that stuff that's like super old or things like it come to me at the right time there when I did it personally and I just I was like that's what's so cool about stuff it's there there's a lot of cool old stuff yeah like, so much cool old stuff to watch and and it's um, like this this is not technically old, but like, you know, in a mm-hmm. film sense, since everything, as you said, there's so much content, like people act like a movie that's like 10 years old is like ancient. Yeah. And then I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, that's not that old. I'm like, and acting like it's 20, like 2013 was last year or something. Right. Because it's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I, that's not that old. And then people are like, well, that was, that was a decade. And I'm like, well, that's still not that old in the scheme. No, it's not. I've actually sat down and watched a lot of those older movies and yeah. stuff because it's, as I said, I like assessing stuff Yeah. from a different standpoint. Um, modern criticism is not dead. Some people be like, well, you can't look at this through a modern lens. And I'm like, that's literally a school of criticism. Yeah. And liter and 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 you know literary spaces and people are like, well, film's not literature, and I'm like, buddy, you would really hate the textbooks that I pick out for my classes because they they uh, actually talk about how film is part of literary criticism. Mm. And I was, like, so I was like, and these are these are the experts. This is the the Norton Company. Oh, there you go. This is the textbook people that are signing it. <laughs> this is the textbook people. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's fun to look at stuff like even a decade on. Mm-hmm. And you can notice stuff that you didn't the first 50 times. Right. And people be like, why do you sit and watch stuff over and over again? And I'm like, my bird brain says so. There you go. I like it. I just, I like it. And if I like stuff, I just, I want to watch it forever. It seems like. Forever. <laughs> Jesse and the Rippers. Um, but yeah, so, okay. But we'll wrap this up uh, now to head out. But thank you for coming back, Jamie. Thank you for celebrating this one year anniversary, being a part of the show during his first year. I really appreciate it. I've had great time with both these episodes, uh, talking with you about it. Like this is some of the most fun that I, that I have. I I love doing these with you because you you do you'll get into the deeper elements of stuff, and I'm like, yes, I'm alive. Yeah, 
Great minds, great minds come together in podcasting. That's what happens. That's what, that's what we do. So let people know where what you're up to lately and where they can just keep around, keep up with your musings, uh, aka social media stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Jamie A. Wrights still. Um, I'm Jamie Alvey on Instagram. You can find me there and I'm just, I'm everywhere. I'm easy to find though. Um, when I, yeah, like my Twitter is such a mixed bag. It's dogs, me crying emotionally over something, whether it be my life or a film. Um, I'm still talking about everything. Mike Flanagan obsessing over to obsessing over 10 Cloverfield Lane five years later. (laughs) Mike, Mike Flanagan Stan account. That's what kids call it. It is my my Twitter. My life has been a Mike Flanagan Stan account from since like absentia. Actually, because I remember when he just had two movies out, and I'm just I'm proud. I'm proud. (laughs) That's all I can. Because it's like I joke that Mike Flanagan is one of the only people who's never let me down. Mm -hmm. But I'll just I'll say it. He's he's never let me down and. I'll, I'll plug Midnight Mass. Y'all aren't ready. Nobody's no. ready. I'm excited. Awesome. I'm excited to see the reactions to that. Um, cool. It's it's going to be neat. It's gonna I'm be excited neat. for them. Looking forward to that one. So, yeah, I've got a review coming out. Should be around September 20th. All right. Um, yeah. So I'll I'm be work- on the internet and I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. And I've got some other irons in the fire. Like some stuff with Lee Winnell's work. Um, I'm trying to think what else do I have. I'm getting scholarly on a horror comedy movie. Oh. Uh, I've talked, I've talked a bit about it because I was really struck by, you know, boys from County hell. Um, my, my uh, mother's side of the family has some deep Irish roots and stuff. Okay. So uh, I was really interested in the thought behind that movie and it turns out that that's there's a whole scholarly school of thought behind that film okay and i was like i want to interrogate that (laughs) (laughs) it's like i want to yeah (laughs) interrogate away get that big lamp up and yeah it's like so what you dissect it like what questions did you ask (laughs) that was my interrogation lamp yep so (laughs) <laughs> awesome well looking out for all of it that's great uh i'm on twitter and instagram uh brandon 4k uhd written work at com. uh there's a whole new episode for you again tomorrow and uh till then though uh, always remember stay stay film positive thank you for listening the brandon peters show is a creative zombie studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.